Hey guys, welcome back to the Pack Hills podcast. We are currently missing Joel, but he'll join us later. And today we are talking about some questions that um, from you guys that you guys sent in on Instagram. And we have Mr. Dawson. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Maka. Hey, hey. Good to be here. And Mark. <laughs> and Marcos <Yeah>. as well. <laughs> Hello. Yep. And um, should we do a little intro on everyone? So do you want to say maybe your name, what you do in Pack Hills, and maybe what you're going to be doing next year? Sure. Start with Mr. Dawson. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead. So uh, my name is Mr. Dawson. Um, I've been at Pacific Hills for 12 years. I'm um, currently the year 12 year advisor and um and next year i get to do that again actually so i'm going to be the year 12 year advisor next year as well so i'm pretty that and i'm loving uh being here so thanks for having me no problem great maca (laughs) Uh, i'm i'm mr mcconnell or maca as as i'm affectionately known i hope but i've been at pacquiao's 24 years and I started out as uh, as the head of PE, PDHPE, and now I've got the role of director of sport and service, which I just absolutely love. Every day is just uh, a dream place to work and uh, love doing what I do. Yeah, I'm Marcus. Um, I'm a student at Packers, year 12. Um, yeah, obviously studying a lot now. HSC is coming up soon. But, yeah, next year I'm, I have a couple of things I want to do, but I'm going to be working in property and stuff a bit that's like the main thing I want to be doing but yeah that's good good all right um should we get into the questions so the first question it can kind of be broken up into two bits I guess but the first part of the question was does God desire a crowd or a committed community who wants to go first I'll go first (laughs) age before beauty of course thanks mate (laughs) That's okay. I think this is a question that we um, reflect on when we talk about the success of ministry and whether numbers in your audience um, sort of determine whether it's a successful ministry or not. So if you can crowd a room, uh, then uh, then it's obviously successful ministry. But I think history has been pretty clear that that's not always the case. Um, think if we look at from God's perspective, he certainly has a, a desire um, for um, everybody to come to know him. He's got a desire for all to come um, you know, to come to God. So I guess if everyone did, it'd be a pretty good crowd. But um, when we look at Jesus' ministry, um, he was one who was probably more committed to building a um, small community of, of followers and sending them out as uh, as ambassadors i guess and as apostles and so they went out and they followed the ministry but he was really committed to building a very tight group and speaking into the lives of a very small group of people so um i think crowds that can often be um misrepresent a a misrepresentation of of success of ministry and so i think we really need to be looking at what's happening um in uh, small groups and the intimacy and the frequency in which they meet, because that was really Jesus' ministry. I mean, he actually, I mean, we look at in Matthew's gospel, 
um, in chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 14, chapter 15. It's, it's, there's lots of references to Jesus avoiding crowds and, and trying to get away from crowds. So even though he had a public ministry, he really did avoid crowds. He often went to the mountain or got into a boat and went out and tried to uh, to get away from the ministry, particularly in those first um, that first 12 months when he was really working on building connection with his with his chosen few, those disciples that he surrounded himself with. So he, he tried to avoid big crowds because he was really committed to that small community. And uh, so I think while crowds, it's great to be part of a big crowd and, and worshipping together. I mean, I've been in places where there's been you know, thousands of people. There is, there is a real hype about that mm. and it's fantastic. But what happens when people get home and the hype goes down is, you know, is that as it continues. So I'm, I'm concerned about that. And I think Jesus probably was too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think what you're saying is great. Um, there's definitely um, the desire, as you said, um, for, for God to have all people saved and come in. So crowds are definitely, I guess, his desire, but what he values more is the commitment, as you said. Um, and whether it's a, a huge multitude of people, I think it's, it's more about the commitment of the, the individual and when i saw this question i, I kind of thought of um that idea of the whitewashed tombs uh, in matthew 23 when they're talking about it. on the outside it, it, you know things look really nice but on the inside uh, you know you're dead when, when jesus is speaking to the pharisees and that can be kind of the the crowd that we're talking about you know like you, you do all the things on the outside that look great and, and this could be a huge crowd of people but what's on the inside that's the thing that counts and that's what Jesus is looking for. That's what God is, is seeking, is committed Christians, committed disciples um, who chase hard after himself. Um, it's the key. And whether it's big numbers, small numbers, um, that I don't think is his priority. It's the level of commitment. Yeah. yeah. I would say just to add to that a bit, um, for me, uh, when I was thinking of that question too, like it's definitely true that, God wants all people, you know, to come to repentance, come to him. But I guess it's like one thing I was thinking of, um, Matthew 7, Matthew 7, 13 talks about obviously like the narrow gate and the white, like enter by the narrow gate, forget for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter, enter by it are many. And it talks about going to the narrow gate, which leads to life. But I think it's kind of funny. If we think if everyone, say like we know, I don't know how many people we know in our lives. Say we know a thousand people and 900, you know, I say they're Christian or something. It's going to be hard to believe if we see what Jesus says, that narrow is the gate that leads to life. Then maybe, you know, the definition of a Christian isn't what Jesus actually is kind of saying it is because if everyone's just going to it, maybe it's a, you know, false message that's being preached or something. And obviously it would be ideal that everyone would be, being christian but obviously like it says the you know the gate is narrow and stuff so it's like i guess that's um one thing to think about if it seems as if like there's this massive crowd to make sure obviously the message is still being you know it's still the truth and according to what the bible is it's not just you know what people are just wanting to hear and just this massive group that's just following you know whatever sounds the best i guess yeah i also thought about um um lukewarm phrase in revelations where you know if we're after a crowd then we accept um any level of um not commitment but 
just accepting a message, right? And and he says clearly in Revelation that you know because you're not hot or cold, because you're lukewarm, I'll, I'll speak out of my mouth. And so he, God doesn't accept just that um, you know, namesake, lukewarm approach to him. He's definitely after a committed disciple. And that's what he's desiring, I think, more than just getting numbers and seeing how popular it is. It's definitely that level of commitment there. I'm going to say, oh, sorry. Do you want to go? Okay. I'm going to say a committed community creates a crowd because Hmm. you not, like Mark was saying, like you may know a thousand people in your life, but you're not fully committed to every single one of them. You may be committed to five people at this point in time, but those five people aren't going to be your one set of circle that you grow in faith with for every stage of your life. You move through different people and you create connections with different people and you grow in Christ with different people. And in that sense, you create a crowded community throughout your life. And then those people will go on to, you know, have faithful and great relationships with other people in Christ. And then that goes on and on and on. And then it creates a crowd. And I think, um, I can't remember who told me this, but if each person grabbed five different people and then those five people grabbed another five different people, if you did that 13 times, you would get the whole world, only 13 times. So in that sense, a committed community creates a crowd. And it says in, um, in Matthew 18, 20, for two or three gather in my name and I will be with them. So in mm. every individual, like he is with them and, he wants us to grow in fellowship and discipleship, but that also creates a crowd. Like you go to a conference and yeah. there's so many people who have their own committed communities, but they're all ended up there and then you have a crowd. So I think in that sense. <laughs> Second question, should Christians aim to bring as many people to know God as possible or introduce help grow in relationship with God to a small group of non-believers rather than just mentioning the religion? Well, I'd say, I mean, the way I kind of interpret the question is talking about, like, should we just focus on, you know, smaller group of people or should we, like, you know, look to, you know, like, or show God to everyone, I guess. Um, I was reading, I like, a, there's a book I was reading before. I got a pretty good quote out of it. And um, so it's, he was talking about Paul and, like, his ministry and stuff. Um, and so the verse he's talking about is uh, 1 Corinthians 9. Starts at 19, the, at the top of the passage, it says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. And then at the bottom, at tw- uh, later at 22, he says, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. So he's like, I, I guess what I get from that is that he's not he's not just saying, like, there's some, I guess there's some people that want to be like, oh, this is the best method, this is, the most important you can only do it like this but i guess the way that paul's approaching it is that you know to the weak he's becoming weak like he's coming to their level to be able to you know win them to see christ i guess um and the quote that i got from the book is it says he said paul did not debate methods he spoke of christ whenever and wherever he could in synagogues on river banks in the open air schools of the philosophers in the private rooms before great crowds at the acropolis by the river abroad ships even witnessed to a suicidal jailer in the middle of an earthquake so it's like I guess um what I kind of get from that is that you know like there's people can debate methods and like is there 
you know, should we only do small groups or should we do big groups? But I guess from looking at Paul, it's like he's just using every opportunity that could come, like whether it's just one person he's with or if he's, you know, in front of a thousand people. And I guess, you know, some people you can get more comfortable, you know, with like your own method. But I guess it's just, you know, having the courage to, you know, preach Christ. Like, oh, drop something there. You know, it's having the courage to, I guess, be able to, yeah, like speak about Christ whenever you can, you know, whenever it's possible, like by by all means, he says, which I guess is um, what I'd, you know, say, say about that. Yeah, I agree. And um, I think you can't go past the commission. I think we're talking in Mecca this afternoon about this, that we are called to share the gospel. That, that's all, and that's what we've been asked to do. So should Christians aim to bring as many people to know God as possible? Yeah, I think so. I think the key, though, is as possible. Um, you might not see, you know, thousands of people coming to faith through your ministry, and it's not um, any fault of your own. It's it's not an ex, you know a reason for you to stop sharing the gospel because you're not seeing crowds of people come to know to know God through your um, through your preaching or your, your relational evangelism. You don't give up. It's as possible. It's more about. Um, being available, and as you said, Marcus, just being able to share uh, Christ with whoever is around you, and it's really, in the end, it's the Holy Spirit that does allow people to um, encounter God and be convicted of their sin. It's not us. Um, you can see that in, in the Bible numerous times. One Corinthians three talks about, you know, Paul says, "I planted, and then Apollos watered, but God made it grow." Um, we are just available uh, for God to use. I think. And so, yeah, I think we are to uh, offer the gift of salvation and that, that message of hope and love to everyone that we come in contact with. We might not see the fruit, but it doesn't mean we should stop. Yeah. And whether that's in a huge group and a small group at all times, I think we just we just show God um, mm. to all that we, anyone we come in contact with. Going, um, going back to what Maka was saying before about how a crowd might attract someone, but it doesn't necessarily like people fall away because no one's sewing back into them. And I think the question was asking, should we help strengthen the relationships to people who are new to faith or who don't know God at all? And it's, it says in Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, as an iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. And it's not just saying like, just focus on one person for the rest of your life. But I think, the one-on-one relationship that you get out of a fellow Christian is really important. That's what keeps you driven and keeps you going and keeps you growing in faith. And, you know, obviously Jesus is the ultimate person that keeps you growing in faith, but it is really important to have that other person there. And I think like Mr. Dawson was saying, if that one person that you're sewing into is as much as you can, if that's your as possible, I think that's the best thing that you can do. Mm. without offending the person who sent the question in the dilemma here is the, the word or where it kind of talks about should christians aim to bring as many people to know god as possible or introduce um people into a deeper relationship i don't think all needs to be there i think we need to be doing both i mean our goal is that we should be evangelizing by not only what by what we do and and so that as many people would hear the gospel and respond not because of what we do but because of what god does through us of course but it's not an awe i don't think 
we can be looking at it from an either or. I think we need to be saying once people have heard the gospel, then we have a responsibility to disciple them. And as Mr. Dawson was referred to, the Great Commission in Matthew 28 says, go out and make disciples, not just go out and make believers, go out and make disciples. We just don't want people to say, I believe in, in God and Jesus, but I believe in him and I want to commit my life to him. That's, that's the key. It's, uh, it's the discipleship factor that's important. So I don't think we can have an either or question here. We've got to say, yes, we've got to go out there and share the gospel. We've got to be doing it in word and deed. But once someone has committed their life, they, they're like a baby. They need to be fed. Uh, they need to grow. And they can't do that on their own. And so we have got a commitment as more mature Christians to get beside the young Christians and say, how can we help you grow? Okay, next question. Um... The double standard of living life your own way, but calling yourself a Christian. Well, this is a deep one right there. I love it. I love it. I, this is one of my favorite camp devotions. The old double standards hypocrisy um, yep. question. You know, what is the greatest stumbling block to non-Christians? And the answer is always um, other Christians. It's always the hypocrisy factor that people say, if they're a Christian, I don't want to be one. So um, it is a major concern for people considering um, following Christ when they look at other Christians and say, well, wow, that's what it, that's no different to the people next door or down the road. So we've got a, uh, we've got a challenge um, to consider exactly you know, how are we living out what we say we believe. And, uh, and so, you know, it, when I looked, you know, when I, I remember hearing a, a sermon where a guy was speaking saying that there's over 50 um, references to hypocrisy in the Bible. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, you can start by in Matthew, you know, chapter 6 and chapter 7 where it says, you know, you hypocrite, you hypocrite, you know, first take log out of your own eye before you, you know, speck in, um, you know, judge a speck in mine. And then um, the hypocrites that stand on the corner and pray so that others will see them. Uh, then they go and live a different I mean so I mean I think it's been from day one Jesus recognized and called called people out who uh, said one thing and and uh, their lives did not reflect what they what they believe so it, it is a magician and it's a, a great question yeah like it or not as a Christian people are always watching you know people are always judging you and your faith and judging God therefore on what you do. So this is absolutely critical how you live. Um, you know, Matthew 5 talks about let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and then glorify God. Um, it's so important to therefore live an integrous life, if you call yourself a Christian, to live up to that and not have that sort of part-time Christianity kind of focus where you're a Christian on Sunday and just leave it at the church. Um, and just go your own way for the next six days. It's just not on. It's just not what Jesus calls us to. It's a life of faith. Um, you're a living sacrifice. Romans, Romans 12 talks about it. Um, so you lay that down and you live a life that is worthy of the calling of a Christian. It's just no question in it, right? That's Ephesians, right? Which one? Live life worthy of your calling. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, no, yeah. I would say that Mr. Dawson was saying it earlier you know, in Revelations. It talks about, like, he's like, I know your deeds. Um, well, Revelations 
3.15, I know you. He says, I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. Yeah. Uh, would that would that you were either hot or cold, sir, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. I will spit you out of my mouth. So it's like, like Mr. Dawson was saying earlier, it's like, well, you think about it. If God, you know, God's not wanting us to be in the middle of war, he'd rather us not, you know, name him and stuff like not say we're following because if you, yeah, if you are like naming him and then completely going and living the opposite life, then it's just tearing down, I guess, the name of Christ, which is, you know, and saying, and probably another place that we see it, like we were talking about, Macca was talking about Matthew. He says, um, in Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, one to the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. So it's like, you think about it, if people, if there's going to be people who are saying to God, you know, Lord, Lord, like that doesn't, it doesn't just automatically get you to heaven because you say, Lord, Lord, you know, it's like, it's only who, only the ones who do the will of my father who is in heaven as he says so it's like i guess that's something that each person needs to like reflect on their own life because it's you know a tough topic because it's easy to just keep living like the world and follow the crowd because i mean that's just the natural tendency of humans you want to just follow what everyone else is doing but if we see that jesus is even saying that there's going to be people who are going to still call him lord but it didn't actually mean that they he was truly like truly their lord and the lives and stuff it was obviously they didn't obviously do the will of god which is you know something that we all need to you know think about in our own lives and examine ourselves in that which is <laughs> i guess with like this whole living the double standards thing you know it's gonna like as christians it's gonna come with like um hard challenges to like make decisions of like who not to hang out with and things not to go to Cause there'll be times in our lives where like a bunch of friends want to go do this, but you have convictions, you know, you got to stay strong with those. And I just found a verse, uh, Philippians four, six to seven, which says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with Thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guide your hearts uh, and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I guess just knowing like, you know, you might, lose a couple friends on the way or you know things might get hard and you know people will judge you for like you know why aren't you doing or what the world's doing and all that but I guess just hold hold hope in God's promises and hold peace in him that you know he's got you and present your request to him and um yeah he'll give you peace that transcends all understanding you know and yeah, um, I, I think um sorry no you're right I think you sort of underestimate kind of your example in those in those areas of influence um, where, you, where you talk about losing some friends along the way because you didn't go you know, along with something that they did. Um, by you just simply living out, you know, your good deeds, as, as it says in, in Matthew 5, um, by just keeping your standards, that is a huge witness. And I've had that in my life uh, in particular. It wasn't straight away, but a couple of years later, you know, people noticed that I didn't do stuff and my friends that, that I hung out with, we, we didn't do everything that the crowd did. Um, and it has an effect just simply sticking to um, what you feel is right and keeping your standards. Yeah, you might lose some people, you know, who you think considered really close friends at that time, but it's still having a massive impact on their life and they will come back to you and, and want to know more, hopefully. And you can just pray for that. Um, but there's the opportunity to witness just in living your life, which is 
which is so exciting. Actually reminds me of um this song by Hillsong. I told Marcos this the other day. Um, but it's called Days Gone By, which is about like basically the whole point of it. You know, it says, "I see you in the days gone by." So sometimes we're in like situations, or you live in your life a certain way, and like say something bad's happening or whatever, and like you don't understand why your certain situation is happening, right? And then as the days go by, you look back at that situation and you start to understand why like you had to go through that or why it had to happen. And it's that's like the whole point of the song. Like I see you in the days gone by. Like as the days gone by, you look back and you see how God was working. And yeah, yeah it reminded me of that. So mm, that's good. I'm reading the lyrics now and it says lost, um, lost in the life I had made living for the moment and I ran so far was acting kind of crazy coming up with empty and I felt like I lost my heart but then you know you find Jesus and then you know you see him in the days gone by okay cool the final not question kind of but comment I guess uh what should be our priorities as Christians don't just say Jesus because we all know but like (laughs) God, Jesus, Bible. Um, that's the easy answer, isn't it? Um, well, with with priorities, it's um, it's pretty clear that the Bible lays out sort of how we are to live. There's a whole um, you know set of guidelines that are thrown out in the New Testament. Uh, all the epistles from Paul really make it clear in terms of our Christian life and, and how we are to live. So, in in sort of priority. It's about setting your mind on, on things above, you know, from Colossians 3, not on earthly things. You know, put to death, it says, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Now, these are this is huge calls, you know, that it's like a holy life that we're called to live. And uh, we're going to get it wrong. We're not going to make it every time like Mac was saying. Um, but I think that's our priority. Our priority is to, is to set our minds on, on God, set our minds on those earth, uh, the heavenly things and strive after that above all else um, it's i don't think it's wrong to have our own desires and and um you know plans and things like that but above all our central priority our, our primary goal is to um is to satisfy god and, and to seek him in all that we do i would i would think is our lives revolve around jesus not our life for what is it yeah. wait our lives revolve around jesus not jesus revolve around our life Mm-hmm. He has I'd to be say a culvert, like culvert, I thought of for uh, especially our priorities is I mean, based off like Mr. what Mr. Dawson was saying, how you know we have like the things that we do in life, but the ultimate goal is, I guess, is you know, like like there's a mission. I guess well, Paul puts it in Acts 20, um, 24, he says, But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. So I guess it's like you look at, you know, Paul and obviously the ministry that he had, that's like something that he could say that in his life. He like he said, I do not count my life as any value, nor as precious to myself. Like to I mean, if we think if we can work towards not because a lot of time in life, we just think, oh, how can we make this, you know, the best life or like have the best memories i guess like it's all about how we can enjoy it the most but i guess those things will come along but i guess if our primary goal is much greater than that 
and we see obviously a lot of different types of talks about like in Colossians talks about whatever you do, word or indeed do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. So it's like whatever comes in our life, you know, different experiences. I guess if we have that ultimate, you know, objective, that's it outlasts anything else. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, even for a lot of your tolls right now, you feel like the HSC is like, you know, what's going to determine your whole life. But if you, if we understand the purpose much, like much further than that, I guess, you know, it gives us like more peace and actual passion to, you know, live with actual purpose, not just living for short-term things that, you know, will fade away, but obviously uh, eternal things, which is. Yes, I see this uh, from two different perspectives. Um, I remember flying home from Chile and sitting next to one of the young guys who'd actually gave his life one of the guys on team gave his life to Jesus while we were away under uh, Marcos's dad's ministry. And uh, he was saying, how can I ensure that I can get my priorities right when I get back? What do I need to do to ensure that I stay close to God? And, I mean, the natural response was, oh, read your Bible, pray, go to church, surround yourself with other Christians, listen to Christian music, all that sort of stuff. They're all the things that we often refer to as these are the foundational practices that will keep us uh, connected. These are our priorities. If you can do these things and get these things as part of your life, then you're, you're pretty much set. You know, these are the foundations. But when we look at scripture, and I, and I know that um, it's often referred to in, in a lot of different contexts, but I'd love to go back to Micah uh, in 6 8, where it says, you know, the that we are called, where the question is asked, what does God require of us? And, uh, and it is, and God says, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your Lord. That is absolutely profound. Um, when we think about social justice and the inequity in the world and how do we make a difference in this world, how can a Christian stand out? We need to act justly in every in every situation. We need to look to to care for those who don't have as much as we do. So that's a priority. The second one is that to love mercy. The only reason, only way we can love mercy is if we understand how much God has been merciful to us. So we've got to accept and acknowledge that how I've been forgiven. If I understand how deeply, or that gesture is and, and the fact that how can I not forgive someone else uh, if I, I understand how much I've been forgiven? It's kind of those that concept of if you, if you can't forgive someone, you don't understand how, how much God has forgiven you. So that's another way in which it reflects a priority of Christians. We need to be forgiving. We need to be loving. We need to, um, to show kindness in all, in all areas. And obviously the last one is, you know, walk humbly with our Lord. I mean, gosh, we all kind of get put off by arrogance. We, we get put off by the person who comes across as, as self-righteous, as a know-it-all, and we think that is not who Jesus Christ was. If we as Christians are going to have an impact in this world, it's not by being um, a great king riding on a chariot. And you know, It was by coming as a humble servant. That's Jesus' model. And so Christians, our priority has to be that we are 
just in, in our dealings with other people, that we are merciful in, in how we treat others and we forgive, and that we, we, we hold humility as, as, as a quality that we should be striving for. That, you know, that's two different aspects of looking at what our priorities are, but both important, one practical and one, I guess, spiritual. Does that make sense? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, made sense. Love that verse. Okay, if no one has anything else to add, um, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. However, we're not done yet. We have to do our thankful and prayerful, which is basically you say one thing that you're thankful for and one thing that you're prayerful for. So, Joel, take it away. I am very thankful for the new house that we have purchased it is just everything we ever wanted and god has really blessed us and um yeah just taught a lot of patience because there was a lot of houses where like oh this is the one but clearly it wasn't and something better was waiting around the corner so that was great and then i think i'm just prayerful kind of for for hsc and all that but kind of 2022 to just be like a real good season of like hospitality and like just real community and like you know just connecting with a lot of new people and stuff and yeah just branching out into the real world as they say so yeah that's me awesome all right um i am thankful that every season eventually passes because I'm not enjoying this HSE season very much <laughs> at the moment. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm also prayerful that 2022 is an abundance of joy. You know, you can't have you can't have happiness in hard times, but you can always have joy. So I'm hoping that 2022 is an abundance of joy. Yeah, I would say. Um, like we say about joy, I'd say I'm thankful that even though like graduation things like that aren't always are going to look the same as you know they've you know they've always been in the past, but God's mercies are new every morning. I think it's important, you know, like I guess the world, the classic quote in the world is, "I'll oh, look at the bright side." But as Christians, we truly actually have <laughs> a bright side in every single situation. Like it's pretty crazy how many you know how many things that we can be grateful for you know that yeah and um oh what's the next one prayerful mm -hmm. i guess yeah similar to i guess similar to your toast is just prayerful to keep um staying focused in studies and you know and just like we were talking about staying uh keeping focused on the priorities in life that i don't get distracted and off you know off track of what really needs to be done but yeah keep keep uh praying for to stay on my priorities right can i go yeah all right um i'm so thankful for um this year 12 group um just how much they have grown in their faith and uh, just matured and you know you guys are teaching us stuff now like running this podcast and, um, not just this fresh leadership and uh, just so many times I've just sort of sat back and gone, wow, these guys have really caught fire, you know, and really taken on the faith of themselves and so thankful for what God has done in you and 
and is doing through you guys. Um, it's amazing. We're so blessed. I'm sure Mac will agree. Um, the quality of this cohort has been incredible. Um, and my prayer is also along those lines for each uh, Year 12 student um, at this moment, but also next year that they continue to um, take that word and that, that message of hope out into the world and that wouldn't sort of just be, be left here at school um, when they leave the safe place of Pacific Hills that their faith would just continue to grow um, and have a huge effect on this world. Um, I am thankful um, that I have had the privilege of working at Hakios and even saying that you know, you, you, it may sound corny, but I really don't, and I've never seen it at work. Um, it's rare to be able to say you go somewhere where you just look forward to and, and uh, a single day in 24 years goes quickly, but loved every minute of it and looking forward to the next. Um, and thankful that the doors have opened and the students are back. Um, and prayerful that borders will start to open. I've got about a dozen mission trips all in the back of my head ready to go. All they're going to do is open doors and, and uh, can't wait to, to start uh, the mission program up again and so that more and more students get a chance to serve overseas and around Australia and put their faith in action. And uh, certainly an invitation will be there for every single year 12 student to come back and, yep. and serve alongside. You will not miss out. Absolutely. You'll get an invitation. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. I'm into that. Do you want to send us out, Joel? What? Oh. oh, we pray now on the podcast. No, we we oh, say just the thank outro. you. For... Yeah. Oh. Yeah, my bad. I mean, if you want to. No, it's all good. We still the outro. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was our prayer. That's like that's our prayer. Yeah. The thank you yeah, and pray for Anyway, um, yeah. Well, I guess thanks for watching. Thank you, Mecca. Um. Mr. Dawson and Marcos for coming through. And yeah, we appreciate you. Sorry, I, I was a bit late, but um yeah, thanks everyone for listening. And I don't know, we'll see you next time, I guess. Thanks, oh, I think I think I think next time we're announcing next time we're announcing the new podcast people, I think. Yeah. Ooh, who's yeah. taking over the podcast? Yeah, I know. So sad. Next it's so exciting at the same time. It is so exciting because so. by next episode we will have graduated. You're not wow. right. Wow. Unless there's another twist. <laughs> Let's hope That's not. It. That's Nothing is safe. Regardless of what happens, next week we are handing <laughs> the podcast out. over. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can organise for you guys to repeat. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, yeah, this is, I guess this is mine and Joel's last episode. Yeah, I guess it is. We're, we're kind of eight episodes. Eight ep- we only well, made no, it to we'll... eight episodes. No, that's good. That's fantastic. That's good. Wow. Well, like, like yeah, you whole started time. something. That's like a whole Eight time. more than I did. Exactly. <laughs> we gotta, yeah, we got to start somewhere. How do I access the previous seven? How do I get onto. Uh, Go to podcast. I mean, What's it podcast on Spotify. You don't even know what it's called. So you go to Spotify and go into and just Pack search Hill's Pack Hill's podcast. podcast.
Thank you guys so much for listening to Joel and I for the past eight episodes. We've had such a privilege um, exploring the Bible and having guests on and um, yeah, just opening up a place in our community to have a conversation. And we're so sad to let it go, but we are so excited for Jade, Elise, Seth and Oscar to take it over. They're going to do like a roster rotation sort of thing. Um, Yeah, we can't wait to see where this goes. So see you later, guys. Peace out, Pack Hills. Shit, <laughs>